Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. If you need a Bible, your guest with us, there's a Bible provided under one of the chairs in front of you, or you can look on with a neighbor. If you're not familiar with the Bible, you can mark the contents page. You're going to be jumping all over the scriptures today. Uh, <clears throat> so you might need a little WD-40 for the binder of your Bible. Ushers are ready with WD-40. No, they're not. Just kidding. Maybe you need a study sheet today. That'll help you uh, follow along. So if you need a study sheet, just raise your hand. Again, don't be shy. The ushers are in the aisle way and they'll bring one to you. But you've got to get their attention. And again, it's uh, nobody cares, so don't be shy. All right, the title of today's message is Lessons to be Learned from a Model, Disciple, and Leader. And like last week, it's just a basic uh, title describing what we're doing today. Um, last week, we did an introduction, part one. Uh, that was all about the epistle of 2 Timothy. Uh, if you're a guest with us, what we typically do here is we just take a book of the Bible and then start systematically working our way through it, and it's what we call learning the Bible. Isn't that something? Uh, we actually learn what the Bible says. A lot of people talk about the Bible and, talk about, and learn about things in the Bible, but we get to learn the Bible when we follow this method. I'm going away for a couple of weeks, and I'm going to be writing 11 various messages that fit into a theme of whatever, wherever it is I'm going to preach. And so I love preaching through books of the Bible because I don't have to do all that. All I do is just look at what's next. And then God, really, I feel like is in more of the driver's seat, if that makes sense to you guys. Does that? And I like that method. So that's what we do here. We just started a study of 2 Timothy. We finished 1 Timothy uh, in May, took a break in the summer, and we just started our study of 2 Timothy last week, uh, and we, we were looking at all kinds of details about this letter, this epistle. Today, in part two, and this will end part two, the next message will get into the text itself. Today, in part two, is about the man himself, the man Timothy. Last week was about the epistle written to him and the time and all the things that were surrounding this. Today is about Timothy himself, and it's very important if you follow along in your study sheet. God could trust Timothy because he was a faithful, proven, proven man. Not just simply faithful, but time-tested. He is a pattern of faithfulness in the work because he was proven to be this type of man, to have this type of character. And you know what? He wasn't perfect. On the contrary, he had problems just like you and me. There were times Timothy was so full of care he needed to take medication. You can read that. Yeah. He was also fearful at times to the point that it caused him shame toward Paul, the gospel, and even the Lord. What do you think of that? Timothy obviously made bad decisions concerning people, leaders, decisions that created turmoil. 
He was nobody as far as the world was concerned. In this regard, Timothy was a common man. He was a common man. And his life could easily describe ours. Really. That's where you get pastors and leaders, right out of the ranks of the church. So it's for all of us. Represents all of us. However, we don't ever read anything about him that's controversial as he was truly a man of God. Timothy is a model disciple. And when I say disciple, that the synonyms that go with that word are follower, learner, student, doer. Somebody that takes what they learn and actually do it, that's a disciple. And a good Bible word would be labor, labor. Timothy's a model disciple, and that's how it applies to all of us. He was a model leader, pastor, and missionary, and this morning we're going to study his life as an example, as an example to follow. Now, although Timothy experienced hardship in his life, and he did, he was an effective follower, learner, student, doer, laborer, disciple. His strong character sustained his heartfelt attitude toward the words of God. And we're going to do well to follow his example in order to strengthen our character for the work. See, a lot of people might have good character, even strong character, but do they have good character and strong character for the work of Christ? There's a difference. We don't have to be some spiritual superman, aren't you glad? We don't. We don't have to be anything other than God other than what God made us to be, but we must work. Let me ask you a question. What would happen if you just stopped working? And those of you that are retired, you're like, oh, well, I stopped working a long time ago. No, you didn't. You did not. Well, you've still got chores and work and all kinds of stuff you got to take care of. What would happen, and for those of you who are gainfully employed, or students, this applies to anybody. What happened if you just stopped working? What would happen? You'd be in big trouble. But instead, you gathered around with other people in your lot, like students or workers or retired people, and you gathered together two times a week to be encouraged to work, but you never worked. Wouldn't that be weird? Wouldn't it be weird? Hmm. Huh. Yeah, it is weird. It ain't right. Something's not right about that. That's the story of the fishless fisherman. And if you don't know what that is, Google it. (laughs) No, don't use Google. (laughs) I didn't say that. Sometimes we can be weak. Sometimes we fail ourselves and others. Does that happen to you? But if we will, by faith, simply choose to learn these lessons we're going to look at today from Timothy's life, even at times, especially at times when we'd rather not do the work of the Lord, because I feel that way at times, we'll be exercised and ultimately strengthened to press forward to victory 
in the face of adversity or in the face of our flesh saying, I got other things to do or not to do. Huh? So this character study could change your life and your work for Christ, or at least aspects of your life and works for Christ. But you have to do something. It's your part. You've got to receive it and actually believe what we're going to look at today. And if you'll believe it and you'll grab a hold of it, you receive it, and it causes you to do something, it changes your whole life. Change your whole life. So let's pray. Lord, I pray that would happen today. You gave us, a, you gave every particular local church the responsibility to represent you as your body. A lot of people don't understand that simple fact, but it's true. We represent you in this planet, and you gave each local church that will believe that the power to reach the whole world. I, I believe that. And so, uh, Lord, I pray you'd have your way with us today as we look at these things about Timothy. I, I'm, uh, you know my weaknesses. I'm a strange fellow sometimes, Lord, and the way I say things a bit unusual and so I just pray you'd work through that and through my weaknesses. But I pray, Lord, that uh, your spirit would bless the reading and the study of your words today and that you'd be glorified in the hearts and minds of individuals here and ultimately affect our church. And Lord, maybe there's somebody here today that has never trusted Jesus Christ. Maybe they have a, a different opinion of Jesus because he's been so misrepresented by the world and by churches and and even people that call themselves Christians. And, and uh, Lord, we, we're not any better than any of those people, but we are redeemed as we sang today. And we do believe your words, and so I pray your spirit would bless the reading and study of your words today and affect us all, and that the lost might be saved today as well. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you have to excuse me. Uh, with I'm still dealing with all this stuff. It'll be nice to get away because hopefully down in South Carolina it's not as bad. But uh, I preached and taught through these character traits of Timothy for many years. Uh, if you have been here any length of time, you know that's true. And you also know when we started 1 Timothy, we looked at these things, and we're going to look at them today as a reminder, uh, because Timothy really is a man to follow after. And so first we see that Timothy is first a loyal, loyal friend to both God and man. And uh, we could use the word faithful in place of loyal, but I do see them different. Now, I, I, they're very closely related, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll hit faithful, but I do see loyal as being different. If you look, you're in 2 Timothy chapter 1, look in verse 1. <clears throat> Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. We'll study these first five verses here in our first message in the text. So Paul is writing, To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God. You see Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, 
whom I serve for my forefathers. He goes all the way back. With pure conscience, and he means this, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee, Timothy, in my prayers night and day. He could write that to Timothy because Timothy was a loyal friend to him. And Paul, if you remember from last week, and if you weren't here, it's okay, but, um, well, it's not okay, you should have been here. But, uh, you know, he, when, he, when we looked at this last week, everybody had abandoned Paul. Only Luke was with him when he wrote this letter from uh, literally a dungeon, a prison cell in Rome, and he's about to lose his head. And these are his last words, and he writes to Timothy, a loyal friend. He was very important to Paul, Timothy was. <clears throat> Timothy accompanied the, the Apostle Paul all throughout his missionary journeys in Asia Minor, and uh, he faced danger from just traveling on the road from highwaymen. He faced uh, danger from lost, evil, religious peoples. You can read all about that in the book of Acts. We'll read a little bit of it. But he stuck by his friends, Timothy did, in the face of hardships like this. And because of it, he was ultimately assigned by God to pastor this incredible church in Ephesus where the Bible says that the entire, the entire continent of Asia heard the gospel from that one church. And Timothy was made the pastor of that incredible church in Ephesus because he was loyal to the Apostle Paul and loyal to God. This loyalty to God and to the work of the Lord profited Timothy. You know, loyalty is a very, very admirable trait. It's a very admirable character quality. And the funny thing about it, it's always being tested, isn't it? It's always being tested. My wife is loyal to me as my friend, my best friend. But boy, I test that because, you know, I'm not the easiest person to get along with. And some of you are like, what? That's shocking. And I can say that about her. We could switch it around and say that about her. We could say that about you, couldn't we? And so loyalty is a funny thing because it's, it's always tested when you're presented with an opposing option. Now think about this. Uh, when you're presented with something that you might think is of greater benefit or greater profit, uh, a better, a seemingly better alternative to that which requires your steadfast devotion. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's tested all the time. And many fold concerning the work of the Lord for a much easier path. Much easier path. People fold. And they fold in their human relationships because they perceive an easier path. But let me just tell you, the path is never easier when you're disloyal. When you're disloyal to people and you're disloyal to God, it, it's never an easier path. The, the path might look harder and more arduous in front of you, but that strengthens you and it makes the difficulties easier to deal with. It's going to be the prevailing theme, so I put it first, of this message today. So Timothy was a loyal friend, loyal to God, loyal to Paul, loyal to the work. But he was also brave and courageous. 
Uh, hold your place here in 2 Timothy and turn over to the book of Acts. It's over to your left if you're newer to the Bible. And uh, Acts, just keep going until you find Acts. It's the Acts or deeds or work uh, of the apostles in the early church. And we're going to see Timothy. He's going to show up, Acts 17. Acts 17. <clears throat> and the text will explain what's going on. They're on their missionary journeys, uh, and they're traveling around to various places in verse 1. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. Yeah, that's where they are. Where was a synagogue of the Jews, and Paul, as his manner was, Went in, unto, went in unto them, he would go to the Jews first, because they had a working knowledge of the Scriptures, and of course they were God's chosen people. And three Sabbath days reasoned with them. So he was there 15, up to 21 days perhaps. He reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. He's preaching and teaching the Bible. And by the way, he doesn't have a, a, a copy of the original manuscripts when he's doing that. Uh, he, he's got a copy of 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 the Bible, just like you have in your hands today. Opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. So he's preaching Christ to them. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks a great multitude, and of the chief women not a few but a lot. I like that. But the Jews which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort. That would be from my old neighborhood. And gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. They were staying with this believer. Lewd, evil, vulgar, crude, foul, foul-mouthed, rough ruffians. They knew how to fight because they did a lot of it. This is very dangerous. And, and the whole city's in an uproar now, and they stirred the whole city up. This is very serious, very dangerous, by the way. And then when they had found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren under the rulers of the city, crying, these that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. So, listen, uh, the most dangerous people in the world are common people with a common Bible. That's the truth. And they heard of the, they were renowned because they were turning the whole world upside down. And these religious people are very upset about that. Because it's stepping. The Bible does that. He steps all over religion, doesn't he? Makes people mad. Whom Jason hath received. Jason received them. They're his friends. And these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is none that there is another king, one Jesus. Well, first of all, that's not true. Uh, they weren't dissing on Caesar or their leaders. They were. Uh, they were promoting Jesus Christ and propagating the gospel. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. Uh, the Jews that believe not are the real cause of the uproar. 
They're the real problems behind this. And when they had taken security of Jason and of the others, they let them go. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, because it was that dangerous there. They had to sneak them out of town. Who, who uh, coming thither, went into the synagogue of the Jews in Berea. So now they moved to Berea. Verse 11. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Now it's important to note that these are the Jews that are in Berea. They went unto the synagogue of the Jews, but they were different than the Jews in the synagogue in Thessalonica, in that the majority of these people in Berea, these Jews in the synagogue and their converts, they searched the scriptures daily. Whenever he was saying something, instead of getting ticked off, they looked in the Bible and said, is what he's saying so? Do we, should we be mad about this? Or, or are we wrong? This will straighten things out, folks. That's what was going on. Therefore, verse 12, many of them believed because they were looking in the Scriptures and they received what he said. Hey, I see it in the Bible. That's what we do here. Also of honorable women, which were Greeks, and of men not a few, but many. But when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul at Berea, so it was the word of God that was changing people's hearts and minds, they came thither also and stirred up the people here in Berea. They had no final authority in their life, and they wanted to prevent people from getting one. It was the word of God that changed people's lives. And it's still true today, by the way. But you've got to believe it. You've got to have a right heart attitude toward the Bible. Or else it's just words. It doesn't magically and mystically just do something to you. You've got to believe that's your part. I believe that. Hold the line! Many didn't believe that in various battles over the centuries. And they didn't hold the line. Battles were lost. Lives were lost. You've got to believe what the Bible says. Do it. Verse 14, And then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go, as it were, to the sea. But Silas and, oh, who? Timotheus. Well, we didn't know. You didn't know he was hanging around on this whole time, did you? He was there the whole time. He was part of all of this. Timotheus abode there still. And they that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens, and receiving a commandment unto Silas, and who? Timotheus, for to come to him with all speed, they departed. What do you think of that? See, at this time in history, Timothy does not appear to be part of the leadership at all, but rather a young protege of Paul and Silas. We didn't even know he was there until the very end. He threw in his name. Now, he had to have been afraid while this was going on. He wasn't that seasoned. It wasn't that many chapters back. Uh, how about like one chapter back that he decided to go along with these guys? So this, he's a young man. He's afraid. Can you imagine? He would have had to have been afraid, just like any of us would be. But yet he pressed forward for the sake of the work. 
and the gospel in spite of his circumstances. He was brave and courageous. Bravery and courage kept him pressing forward. Now listen, this is the point. He didn't let fear dictate or control the decisions he was going to make. How many of you have been afraid to, don't raise your hands, how many of you have been afraid to do something for the Lord, but you were afraid? Well, then fear trumped God. And I've done it. I've done it too. And probably will continue to at times. But I want to remember Timothy. And I have remembered him over the years. And I've said, you know what? If this guy could do it, so can I. Because he's nobody just like me. But he's somebody to God. And so he pressed, he pressed forward. Listen, serving Jesus Christ requires a certain amount of courage. Can you agree with that? It really does. I've seen, before I entered the ministry, I had entered the ministry late in life, uh, 23 years ago, 24 years ago, entered the ministry, and I was 40 years old. Well, that tells you how old I am. Man. But um, prior to that, I was in the medical uh, equipment business, in the home medical equipment business, and I've, I've been present, unusually so, uh, for many deaths. I've seen many people say their last words. I've been present right after, shortly after someone had passed away, lost and saved. As a pastor, I've been in the presence of countless people. I can't even count all of them. I, if I sat down, I, I'm sure I'd probably leave some out. But I've seen many, many people pass away, many believers pass from this world to the next, even being present. And I count that as a great privilege, by the way. Great privilege. It's, it, it, it is impressed upon my mind things that God uses in my heart. It's incredible. I, Pastor Rufus, for those of you who are newer, we sent out a, a new church and started a new church uh, <clears throat> a year and a half or so ago, uh, not far from here. Pastor Rufus went with them, but he was a pastor here in our church. And, and uh Pastor Rufus would witness to many, el many people, shut-ins, elderly people. But um, my childhood friend, Tommy Yapko, that I grew up with, he was he, he's stubborn, wasn't he, Linda? Probably out of all of us, uh, he was the most stubborn. Would you agree? Not counting yourself, of course, honey. <laughs> totally kidding. Totally kidding. They didn't laugh that much, so I'm in deep, deep trouble. Totally kidding, just joking. But I already did pray for myself because I'd say stupid things today. And that's one of them, right, Linda? Yapko was stubborn, wasn't he? And he was, out of any of my friends, I thought he'd never get saved. I mean, yeah, I'm not disparaging the dead, but I mean, he... He smoked meth, uh, amphetamines, and crack cocaine. And almost all of our life, he smoked non-filtered cool cigarettes. Uh, this is when we were unsaved, of course. And uh, he ended up with a terrible, uh, terrible lung disease. I mean, it, to the point where it put him in a nursing home. And he was in a nursing home in Maslin. Pastor Rufus would call on him. And, and I'd witnessed to Tom uh, for years and nothing, nothing. And you know how it works. Pastor Rufus shows up and leads him to Christ the first time he shows up. That's Pastor Rufus. And 
He's an evangelist. And Tommy really got saved. And I mean, I would, I started, Rufus started discipling him, but I was calling on him every week and seeing him. And I mean, he was a changed man. I mean, it was, it was like, wow, man. He was totally changed. And he was dying, but he, he didn't get saved because he was dying. You know what I'm saying by that? He got saved because he believed Jesus. And I mean, give me tracts. Give me, I, I had, gave him a done book to read. And he's like, can you give me more of these? He, he was giving them away. And he witnessed everybody in the nursing home. And even the uh, nurses on call said in the hallway, what happened to him? And then I, it opened up. Listen, when that happens, it opens up doors to talk to other people about Christ. He got saved. And he's on his last legs. I mean, he's about ready to go. And they move him over to Altman Hospital. And I was there the day he died. My friend, childhood friend, little kids, young kids. And he, he wasn't afraid. He knew he was, this was his last day, and he wasn't afraid. And his family, I'd opened doors with them because they're like, he's not afraid. And, and he, he had a mask on and you know, with oxygen, and he, he, he was in a weakened state, but he, he was completely cognizant, he knew what was going on, and, but he couldn't talk that way. He kept trying to take his mask off so he could talk, and we're like, just relax. And, and uh, I've done this more than, more than once, and uh, I, uh, I, I went over, and I could tell he's stubborn, and he's still stubborn, and he's fighting to stay alive. And I went over, and I've done this more than, than this time, and I leaned down and spoke in his ear, and I said, Tommy, you need to stop fighting and just go home. It's okay. And he looked at me, and my own, my, only my wife would know this. Remember he'd do that, that business? That's what he did to me. And he had a big smile on his face. And I walked out of the room and he died shortly thereafter. But here's the point. He wasn't afraid. The most traumatic thing could ever happen to you. Your death. He wasn't afraid. I don't know what was going on in his heart. His family was even commenting about it. He wasn't afraid. His countenance, his attitude, you know what? Jesus is going to give you the grace that you need when you're afraid. So you can't let it dictate your actions. Joshua said, be strong and have good courage. It takes courage to serve the Lord. And he'll give that to you. Just like he gave it to my friend Tommy on his deathbed. Look in, uh, back in uh, 2 Timothy. Look <clears throat> in verse 7, chapter 1. For God hath not given us the spirit of what? But of power and of love and of a sound mind. Look in verse 12. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Paul is about ready to die himself. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I've believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day, against the day of my death. Yeah. Fear. 
Timothy was brave and courageous even in the face of death, which he could have died. Timothy was a faithful minister and servant. Uh, Look over in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. I got you bouncing around a little bit here today. <clears throat> Couldn't fit these, some of these on the slides. Philippians 2. <clears throat> Look with me in verse 19. <clears throat> Paul is writing to the church in Philippi. This is a prison epistle. This is an, epi- a, an epistle that he wrote when he's under house arrest in Rome the first time. Second Timothy is his second and final imprisonment before he's executed and beheaded. This is written during his first imprisonment. He says, he's writing to the church in Philippi, just like us, a church like ours, the church in Jackson. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send who? Timothy, shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. But ye know the proof, he's proven, of him, that as a son with the Father, he hath served with me in the gospel. He's a proven man. Wow. If someone comes from the outside of a local assembly, you want to know that he's like-minded, that he's faithful, and that he's a servant. And that was Timothy He ultimately became the man he was because of these things, because he was a servant first uh, of God and men. And he took the work of God seriously. He He didn't add his Christianity to his life. Everything that he was involved in and that he did, those are the things he added to his Christian life. Boy, we get it backwards, don't we? Don't we? We, we, we have our business that we attend to, and we need to attend to our business, all of us, right? But we tend to get it backwards. We add the Lord to this. That's when we don't have time for stuff. All of us are guilty of this. Me too. When it's the other way around. Oh, well, that's not... Well, for you, preacher, this is your job. No, it became my job because... That was my perspective. Like Timothy's. That, he wasn't the pastor in the church of Ephesus at this time. This is his character that we need to adopt. He looked at this, I'm part of the work of the Lord, and any other thing was added to that. It was icing on the cake. Uh, your job, your schooling, all of it, are open doors and opportunity for you to live out your Christian life and to fund your life your comfort, your hobbies, your life, and the work. But you got to look at it from that perspective, looking at it differently. He took the work of the Lord seriously, believing the words of God, and he was ultimately rewarded with leadership and a pastor. And I'm not sure that that was a reward, but we'll say that today. How's that? Just kidding. Uh, uh, Kenzie, why don't you put Matthew 25 up there? The Lord said unto him, this is a parable Jesus is speaking, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things, over a few things, over the small things, over the little details. I will make thee ruler over many things. 
enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Don't you want to hear the Lord say that to you? Don't you want to hear the Lord say that to you? You don't have to be a superman. You just have to deal with the things that are in front of you in your field, in your sphere of influence. Uh, Kenzie, Mark, if you'll put Mark up. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be the what? Servant of all. That's the greatest in God's kingdom, the lowest, the one at the end of the line, the servant. It's Timothy. It's who he is. It's who he was. And as we just read, he was like-minded with the brethren. We just read that. It's right there. He's like-minded. Our success as a church isn't based on any one man or woman. It's not, but rather on all of us corporately. And it's crucial that we all believe the same basic things. When it comes to our mission and purpose, for sure. Amen? We need to believe that. We need to think alike when it comes to those things. I don't know if you ever thought of it this way, but this issue of like-mindedness, this is the trait that creates the most offense to the world. Did you know that? It creates the most offense to the world. Getting us all on the same page requires work of preaching and teaching from the instruction manual and paying attention to every word and working our way through it in discipleship, in Sunday school classes, teaching it young to our kids, uh, preaching and teaching from pulpits and, and any other venue we have. It's absolutely critical to make us like-minded. It requires us to preach and teach in multiple venues. And that separates us from others who don't preach and teach the Bible, but have a form of religion. It separates us from them. It doesn't make us any better. It just separates us out. That's what the Bible does. Now look, we're all different. And our diversities, our differences, is what makes us strong. Isn't that the truth? It really does. Man, if everybody was like me, nobody would come here. <laughs> really. If everybody was like you, we'd have problems. If everybody was like Corey, you, Stephen, we'd have problems. If everybody was just like you. Sorry, Bart. That finger landed right at you, Bart. It wouldn't work. We got all different parts to our body. We worked through this not long ago, right? It requires all of us and all of our differences. You know, and sometimes, you know, I, my foot hurts and it needs fixed. Sometimes you're hurting and you need fixed because it, it, it affects all of us. Look, being like-minded pulls us all together. We're not robots drinking the Kool-Aid. That's not what this issue's about. We have our own opinions. Oh, and so do some of you have your own opinions, that's for sure. In your own views. That's why I'm not on any social media. Why aren't you on social media? Because of you all. I don't want to know what you're talking about. I have enough work to do. Hello? And I appreciated that amen. It wasn't an amen. It's funny. It was like amen. 
It's true, isn't it? Why? I don't have time to do that. It, 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 oh, my. You got your own views. But we are individuals called by God to work together as one man in our local church. Some people are loners. Good people. I mean, I could go through a list of people. I'm not thinking of them right now. But I go through a list of people over the years. Some people are loners. And you know what? They never really are helpful to our work. That doesn't mean they're not good Christians. They're good Christians. They're good people, and I, I'm glad they're here. But they're loners. And they never really help us collectively. And what a shame. We need them. Like-mindedness. Boy, that's what separates us out. You have to think about that. Timothy was hardworking. Look over in Romans 16. Romans chapter 16. How you guys doing? Are we doing okay? Romans 16. <clears throat> Excuse me. Look in verse uh, 21. Oh, you know, I got to read verse 20. I love this verse. Verse 20. Romans 16. And the God of what? Peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Huh, huh, you like that? You like that? Well, I do. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And he puts an amen right there, just because I say amen to that. I can't wait for that. That's a promise found in every book of the Bible, by the way, in directly or indirectly. All right, verse 21. Timotheus, my, what an unusual word, work fellow, and Lucius, and Jason, and Sopater, and my kinsmen salute you. My work fellow, my fellow worker. He's a worker. He's hardworking. Look over in 1 Corinthians. You're right there. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Go to the end of that letter to the church at Corinth. <clears throat> Look in verse 10. Now, 1 Corinthians 16, 10. Now, aren't you glad the Bible's laid out this way? We can go right to the same place real easy, huh? Yeah. Now, if Timotheus come, see that he may be with you without fear, for he worketh the work of the Lord as I also He's a hard worker. Timothy's a hard worker. Hard workers, and we're talking about the work of the Lord. You can be a hard worker, but not a hard worker in the work of the Lord, just so we're clear about that. Timothy is a, he's a, he's a hard worker for the work of the Lord, and hard workers aren't concerned with a hurry-up job. They don't avoid labor. They actually enjoy the challenge. They don't bellyache about the job. They press forward. They generally don't waste time. They don't generally stand around unless they're trying to figure out how to do it better or smarter. They go right at it. Hard workers, listen, listen, hard workers are not born, but exercised through hard work, this is a mouthful, but exercised through hard work to be hard workers and are put in situations where they must work hard. So don't shy away from a difficult job for Jesus Christ. Don't. 
your natural inclination is to shy away. Well, I don't want to talk to them. There's an open door. I'm not talking about plowing through somewhere and hurting your testimony by just being an idiot. But doors open for us all, don't they? Come on, don't they? Okay, and then a lot of times what happens is we're like, this is going to be work. It's not just fear, okay? I'm, right, I'm, I'm differentiating between fear now. Come on, you guys know what I'm talking about. It presents itself, and you're like, this is going to take up my time. Whew, this is going to be a lot of work. Now, do you know what I'm talking about now? And that's when you got to say, okay, i got to think smart about this. Maybe I can get an appointment. Maybe we can... It's, don't shy away from the work. Be smart in your thinking, but don't shy away from hard work of the Lord. You don't do that on your job. Listen, I know all of you in here. You guys are all hard workers. I mean, anywhere I pick, anywhere I pick people, Jerry's a hard worker, Fraser's a hard worker, Dawn's a hard worker, Brian's a hard worker, Roars, you guys are all hard workers. Matter of fact, don't work as much. <laughs> you work too hard. <laughs> Sorry, Sean. You're all hard workers. Jordan, you're a hard worker. Blake, you're a hard worker. Look, Andrew, I know you're a hard worker, especially from January to April, right? Look, you're all, I could just go down through. You're all, you're all hard workers in here. Apply that to the Lord's work. Come on. Think. Think. Well, I don't have enough time to fit all that in. No, you have it. You just haven't figured out how to do it all. So work hard at the plan. Hello? Timothy was a hard worker. You're not born. Don't shy away from difficult jobs for Christ. If you shy away, it weakens your character for Christ. It weakens your Christian character. And then it becomes easier to not do anything. And just to work through your life. And you're going to die and go to heaven and fail in your work. The Lord still loves you. I don't picture him rebuking you. But, you know, I mean, if, you were, if you've ever been in an athletic event, like track and field, where they have, uh, I was going to say, win, place, and show, that's not how it works, is it? Um, that's a horse race. Um, first, second, and third place. Isn't that what they do? Okay, how do you feel uh, if you're in fourth? Huh? You're not getting the reward, right? So you suffer loss. And that's the suffer you get. Who wants to suffer loss? Don't you want to win? So we should live our life to win, right? And we don't know what winning is. We don't really know what that means from God's perspective. Maybe you might feel like you lost and nothing's happening. I sometimes feel like, what are we doing? Are we actually accomplishing anything? And then I have a year like this year and I'm like, all this stuff is happening. Not me, us. We're affecting a lot of people. And I'll forget about it. And I'll feel the same way. Do you ever feel like, let me ask you this, do you ever feel like you're sitting in your life or at work or school or whatever, you're sitting on a house of cards? I, I want you to raise, how many of you felt that way? 
I'm sitting on a house of cards. Everything's all messed up. Okay, so we got 10 of you. Come on, you guys feel that way? And then the next week, nothing's changed. Nothing, your circumstances or anything. And you're like, I'm in the rock of Gibraltar. And nothing is going wrong. Everything is, all cylinders are firing. And nothing's really changed. You know what has changed? Your perspective and your attitude. That's the difference. Come on. Timothy was a hard worker. Work hard. Timothy was faithful. Faithful means full of faith. Kenzie, 1 Corinthians, it says, For this cause, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth here, have I sent unto you Timotheus. Are we in this place? Well, I guess we could have looked right at it. It's right here. All right, well, anyhow, four, chapter 4. For this cause I've sent unto you Timotheus, our man, there he is, who's my beloved son, he keeps saying that, faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church, Paul has now multiplied. He has a disciple he's trained who is now doing the same work he's doing now in a whole different place other than Philippi. Now it's in Corinth. He's faithful. It means full of faith. Thank you, Kenzie. We know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's, our faith isn't based on, you know, like faith. Have faith. What does that mean? Faith in the Bible means believing and trusting what the Bible says. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And according to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, now then faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's clearly defined. Faith has substance. You can, it's substantive. And it's always accompanied with evidence. Always. It isn't, we just have, well, I have faith. What does that mean? No, it, it, it's substantive. It, it's accompanied by evidence. Faith is simply believing what the Bible says and then doing it, then acting upon it. Larry, what is that? You only... You only really believe that which motivates you to action. Thank you, Larry. You were focused on what was going on. What? You got a big data bank. You had to filter through that. Right on, man. That's the truth, isn't it, Larry? It's the truth. It's believing what the Bible says and then doing it, especially when it goes against your own feelings, especially when it goes against human reasoning, especially when it goes against your own reasoning about your own life and, the own, and your time, the time you have. That's why it's best to surround yourself with other faithful believers. I get the best ideas from observing all of you. Yes, all of you. I get ideas. I walk away and I'm like, man, they're faithful. And boy, that's a great idea. Uh, and being challenged by you and your life. I get, I get, listen, I'm not that creative, but I get lots of ideas from you. I'm Thomas Didymus, the copier. And I'll copy it, man. I'll take it. It's good stuff. I heard you say something this week about 
a young man in our church who's doing something, and some of the ideas that you said he was doing, I'm like, I wrote them down. I don't know if you noticed, but I started writing. I wrote them down. I'm like, I'm going to do that. As a young man, teenager, great ideas, man. Incredible. You want to surround yourself with believers. It's important. And then, really, that leads us to the next point, discerning and observant. Look over in 1 Thessalonians. I told you we are going to look at a lot of stuff today. And we'll bring this to a close at some point here. <clears throat> Chapter 3, 1 Thessalonians 3. <clears throat> Excuse me. Look in verse 5. For this cause, now he's writing to another church. First it was Philippi, then it was the Corinthians, now it's in Thessalonica. And he says, uh, For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith. And this was that church that we read about in Acts, man, where, where the, the unbelieving Jews in that area wanted to just kill them. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and our labor be in vain. I wanted to see, are you still hanging in there? But now when Timotheus, our man Timothy, came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that you have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us, as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. What I've just described. For now we live if ye stand fast in the Lord. We, in other words, we, it's a, just a way to say, man, well, now we can move forward. We're excited. We're glad to hear uh, that you are standing fast and we want, we're going we're gonna to have a great life if you just keep on keeping on. That's what he's saying to them. How incredible. Now, how does that fit in with Timothy? Timothy understood <clears throat> what the work required and he was able to go and discern the, the events that were happening in, in Thessalonica and move around the city because the most of the city would have been against God and Christ, and yet he would have been able to find the believers there and see what they were doing and the work that was taking place. He was able to discern and determine what was going on, and then he was also able to come back and give an accurate report of their state to Paul, and it wasn't a lie because his response is written to him here and recorded in the Bible, so he accurately reported it. And these traits are important if we're to help each other move forward in our life for Christ. They're absolutely critical and important. Jesus Christ is important, folks, and we have to be discerning. And we use the term, it's in Philippians 5, verse 15, if you want to write that down. The term is, the days are evil, man, that's the context. And we want to walk circumspectly in the world, right? We want to walk circumspectly in the world. I used to work... Uh, uh, 43 years ago, I worked in the steel plant, and it was a busy, busy steel plant for the Timken Company. I mean, they were, I mean, it was booming, man. I mean, business was booming, and, and, and a lot of stuff happening. I mean, I can't even describe it. I mean, from the scrap, uh, from railroad cars coming in and, and them dumping scrap and opening the tops of those electric, electric arc furnaces that could hold 200 tons of uh, 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 of steel, and they'd open those things up. I forget how many 
furnaces. Where's Dave? Stacy, are you in here, Stacy? How many furnaces did they have back in six? Way back, way back when the radio was popular. Yeah. They had six, and they'd, they'd swing, the, they'd pack them full with, with steel scrap, and then they'd have a, 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 what would be welding electrodes the size of telephone poles, and there were three of them, and, and they'd arc, make an electric arc, and just melt the thing, man. And then they'd tip it over on, on, on it, it, they were on, it was on a, a gear system, and they would tip it over and pour it into a ladle. Man, I got to stand there and watch all that going on, and, all kinds of everything. Then they'd make billets and roll them and bang and noise and danger everywhere. It was very dangerous. They never promoted this. Or not promoted, that's the wrong word. They never advertised this or, or it wasn't in the news. But people died in there and were killed in there all the time. And still are to this day. It's a lot safer. But back then, very dangerous. There had been many times that my life was at, at danger, at risk. I'd come back and tell you about it, Linda. And people were just, I mean, it was crazy. The most dangerous jobs in there. I mean, they made seamless steel tubing. And, and you don't make seam, seamless steel tubing easily. You gotta take a giant red hot billet and you gotta put a plug on a, on a rod and jam the two, jam the two together at great force and push a hole all the way through it. That's an intense operation to watch happening. Very dangerous. Lots of things happening. And the most dangerous job were people that moved everywhere around the plant. I got to see everything because I was in the labor gang. I was a laborer. And so I would have to go down into the deepest holes and clean stuff out. So they'd have to shut the whole mill down if something happened. At the wire draw, where they would draw wire to a specific size. I mean, this was a machine that was maybe 100, maybe 200 feet long. And underneath it have a trough. And we're talking a big trough. I'm talking uh, probably 8 feet wide underneath. Because parts of the machinery needed to be cooled with coolant. And they'd have constant water running over it. And it would collect in this giant trough that ran the length of it. This cement trough that was probably 10 feet deep underneath the machinery. And, uh, and, and it would have drains in it. And, and the drains would then they drain out the water and recycle it and then pour it back over it. And, uh, and what would happen is the drains would get clogged. And then some fool had to go under there and clean them out. And that was me. And now here's the problem. You go down in there, and the water's now this high. And it's pitch black down there. And so it was a 